brief silence followed. Starling looked at Crawford steadily. Hannibal the cannibal, she said. Crawford leaned forward until he faced her at a distance of two feet. Now, I want your full attention, Starling. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. Be very careful with Hannibal Lecter. Dr. Chilton, the head of the mental hospital, will go over the physical procedure you use to deal with him. Don't deviate from it. Do not deviate from it one iota for any reason. If Lecter talks to you at all, he'll just be trying to find out about you. It's the kind of curiosity that makes a snake look in a bird's nest. We both know you have to back and forth a little in interviews. You tell him no specifics about yourself. You don't want any of your personal facts in his head. You know what he did to Will Graham. I read about it when it happened. He gutted Will with a linoleum knife when Will caught up with him. It's a wonder he didn't die. Remember the Red Dragon? Lecter turned Francis Dollarhide onto Will and his family. Will's face looks like damn Picasso drew him, thanks to Lecter. He also tore a nurse up in the asylum. Do your job. Just don't ever forget what he is. And what's that? Do you know? I know he's a monster. Beyond that, nobody can say for sure. Maybe you'll find out. I didn't pick you out of a hat, Starling. The director will see your own report over your signature. If it's clear and tight and organized, I decide that. And I will have it by 0900 Sunday. Okay, Starling, carry on in the prescribed manner. Crawford smiled at her, but his eyes were dead. Dr. Frederick Chilton, 58, administrator of the Baltimore State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, remained seated behind his desk when Clary Starling came into his office. We've had a lot of detectives here, but I can't remember one so attractive, Chilton said without getting up. Starling knew without thinking about it that the shine on his extended hand was lanolin from patting his hair. She let go before he did. It is Miss Sterling, isn't it? It's Starling, Doctor, with an A. Thank you for your time. So the FBI is going to the girls like everything else. <laughs> he added the tobacco smile he uses to separate his sentences. The Bureau's improving, Dr. Chilton. It certainly is. Will you be in Baltimore for several days? You know, you can have just as good a time here as you can in Washington or New York, if you know the town. She looked away to spare herself his smile and knew at once that he had registered her distaste. I'm sure it's a great town, but my instructions are to see Dr. Lecter and report back this afternoon. Is there someplace I could call you in Washington for a follow-up later on? Of course, it's kind of you to think of it. Special Agent Jack Crawford's in charge of this project, and you can always reach me through him. I see, Chilton said. His cheeks mottled with pink, clashed with the improbable red-brown of his quaff. Give me your identification, please. He let her remain standing through his leisurely examination of her ID card. Then he handed it back and rose. This won't take much time. Come along. I understood you'd brief me, Dr. Chilton, Starling said. I can do that while we walk. Clary Starling flinched as the first of the heavy steel gates clashed shut behind her and the bolt shot home. Chilton walked slightly ahead down the green institutional corridor in an atmosphere of Lysol and distant slammings. 
Reflector's a considerable nuisance, Chilton said over his shoulder. It takes an orderly at least ten minutes a day to remove the staples from the publications he receives. We tried to eliminate or reduce his subscriptions, but he wrote a brief and the court overruled us. The volume of his personal mail used to be enormous. Thankfully, it's dwindled since he's been overshadowed by other creatures in the news. For a while, it seemed that every little student doing a master's thesis in psychology wanted something from Lecter in it. The medical journal's still publishing, but it's just for the freak value of his byline. He did a good piece on surgical addiction in the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry, I thought, Starling said. You did, did you? We tried to study Lecter. We thought, here's an opportunity to make a landmark study. It's so rare to get one alive. One what? A pure sociopath, that's obviously what he is. But he's impenetrable. Much too sophisticated for the standard test. And my, does he hate us. He thinks I'm his nemesis. Crawford's very clever, isn't he? Using you on Lecter. How do you mean, Dr. Chilton? A young woman to turn him on, I believe you call it. I don't believe Lecter's seen a woman in several years. I graduated from the University of Virginia with honors, Doctor. It's not a charm school. Then you should be able to remember the rules. Do not reach through the bars. Do not touch the bars. You pass him nothing but soft paper. No pens, no pencils. He has his own felt-tip pens some of the time. The paper you pass him must be free of staples, paper clips, or pens. Items are only passed to him through the sliding food carrier. Items come back out through the sliding food carrier. No exceptions. Do not accept anything he attempts to hold out to you through the barrier. Do you understand me? I understand. They had passed through two more gates and left the natural light behind. Lecter is never outside his cell without wearing full restraints and a mouthpiece, Chilton said. I'm going to show you why. He was a model of cooperation for the first year after he was committed. Security around him was slightly relaxed. This was under the previous administration, you understand. On the afternoon of July 8, 1976, he complained of chest pain and he was taken to the dispensary. His restraints were removed to make it easier to give him an electrocardiogram. When the nurse bent over him, he did this to her. Chilton handed Clary Starling a dog-eared photograph. The doctors managed to save one of her eyes. Lecter was hooked up to the monitors the entire time. He broke her jaw to get at her tongue. His pulse never got over 85, even when he swallowed it. Starling didn't know which was worse, the photograph or Chilton's attention as he gleamed her face with fast, grabby eyes. I keep him in here, Chilton said, and pushed a button beside heavy double doors of security glass. A big orderly let them into the block beyond. Scarling made a tough decision and stopped just inside the doors. Dr. Chilton, we really need these test results. If Dr. Lecter feels you're his enemy, if he's fixed on you just as you've said, we might have more luck if I approached him by myself. What do you think? Chilton's cheek twitched. That's perfectly fine with me. You might have suggested that in my office. I could have sent an orderly with you and saved the time. I could have suggested it there if you'd briefed me there. I don't expect I'll see you again, Miss Starling. Barney, when she's finished with Lecter, ring for someone to bring her out. Chilton left without looking at her again. The orderly was staring at her.
Dr. Chilton told you don't touch the bars. Yes, he told me. Okay. It's past the others, the last cell on the right. Stay toward the middle of the corridor as you go down, and don't mind anything. You can take him his mail. Get off on the right foot. The orderly seemed privately amused. You just put it in the tray and let it roll through. If the tray's inside, you can pull it back with the cord, or he can send it back. He can't reach you where the tray stops outside. The orderly gave her two magazines, their loose pages spilling out, three newspapers, and several opened letters. The corridor was about thirty yards long, with cells on both sides. Some were padded cells with an observation window, long and narrow like an archery slit, in the center of the door. Others were standard prison cells, with a wall of bars opening on the corridor. Clary Starling was aware of the figures in the cells, but she tried not to look at them. She was more than halfway down when a voice hissed, I can smell your cunt. She gave no sign that she had heard it and went on. The lights were on in the last cell. She moved toward the left side of the corridor to see into it as she approached, knowing her heels announced her. Dr. Lecter's cell is well beyond the others, facing only a closet across the corridor, and is unique in several ways. The front is a wall of bars, but within the bars is a second barrier of stark perspex, pierced neatly with ventilation holes. The perspex completely seals the front of the cell. Behind it, Starling could see a table bolted to the floor and piled high with soft-covered books and papers, and a straight chair, also fastened down. Dr. Hannibal Lecter himself reclined on his bunk perusing an Italian edition of Vogue.